Imagine discovering a way that you could be a better person and live a blessed, fulfilled, and happy life. Imagine you found a way that would make you a better husband or a father, a wife, a mother, a son or daughter, brother, sister, employer, employee. Would that interest you? What if I told you that it wouldn't actually be as easy as you think? In fact, it would be harder than you think because it would go against everything that you taught, everything that you self-reason and every, everything that your self-reactions, would you still be interested? You see, we're going to start this new series entitled The Beatitudes, which is labeled in Matthew's Gospel as the foundation of what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is that the first three chapters are five, six, seven, and 8 of, of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And it's in these, this foundational principle of the Beatitudes that God lays, He gives a statement that goes against common language in the culture both then and now. Like He, 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 flips, the, uh, the, uh, he flips the script. See, the world teaches us that strength and authority, wealth, power are to be achieved and celebrated. That is the pursuit of happiness where Jesus comes into the scene and in one foul swoop kind of flips all that teaching on its head. And he turns it right upside down. And he says, actually, in order to be his followers, this is this paradoxical pursuits of this world. It's going to look different. It, it feels different. The results are different. The focuses are different. And I would imagine that the audience in that time would be very similar to the audience of our times. Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound like I'm used to hearing. And so this series that we're going to go into entitled The Beatitudes is is going to be an interesting series, and actually it was kind of, kind of stumbled through it wondering if this is the right time or the right series, because it's actually an uncomfortable series, because it's, it's actually going to come bring us face to face with things that we need to correct in our lives. It's going to, it's going to challenge the, our way of thinking, and I think for some of us this will be a challenge. I think for myself it's going to be a challenge, because when we open God's Word, we can do two things with it. We can read it and ignore it, or we can read it and allow it to change our hearts, right? And so as we go through this series, I'm praying that we will, not, it'll, it, we will receive it in a way that allows God to transform us, that we will actually live the better life, that we will actually have a blessed life, that we will actually have a happy life, but we're going to find it as what we, we're going to find it in the unlikely of places. And so if you're following with us, I'm going to tell you today there's a lot of notes. There's a lot of scripture. There's a lot of points that we're going to be going through. So if you have your YouVersion Bible app, all the points are in there. You go to the events in your YouVersion Bible app, and they're all there that you can follow along with and save if you so choose. But we're going to read this story. We're going to start in Matthew 5, and we're going to kind of read these Beatitudes, and then we're going to spend the next couple months, actually, going through them all individually and learning from them and asking how we can apply this. What does this actually look like for us? And so I'm just really grateful you're here, and hopefully you find this beneficial and encouraging. Let's read from Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Jesus said, saw the crowds, and he went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, he says, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So as you read this line, he, he's, he's blessing all the things that we wouldn't think as blessable. He, he, he's turning all the things that we would think as, as hardships or all the things as we think as weak or, or, or insignificant, and he's, and he's putting focus to them, and he's, and he's putting a priority on these items. And so we, before we kind of jump into the text, there's two kind of thoughts or framework I want to put on your, uh, kind of lay the foundation for. Is one is that these statements actually reveal where true happiness is found. These statements actually reveal where true happiness is found. A lot, some translations use the word happy instead of blessed, but it's, it's way more than that. This is referring to this eternal joy that the world can't take away. It's something deeper than just happiness. Circumstances don't have the power to take away this blessed life. Actually, happy, happy is actually from the Latin word hap, which is also used in the word like happenings. And so which means that you're, you're happy when the happenings, you're happy when the happenings or the circumstances are, are good or in your favor or they're right. Meaning, hey, the sun is shining. The, the sun is out. I'm, gonna, I'm happy the sun is out, right? But when the sun is not out and it's a dreary, rainy day, I'm not sure if I'm so happy. Or I'm happy when money's in the bank. I'm happy when things are working towards my favor, but I'm not so happy when there's not money in the bank. Or I'm happy when my team wins, right? When my team is winning, I'm happy, I'm excited, it's awesome. But when my team is losing, I'm not so happy. And this is happy and happiness are connected in this word. And this is how most people live. This is how a lot of us even operate. Like when the happenings are good, I'm happy. But when the happenings are bad, I'm not. And this is how we, the world responds, where our happiness is dictated by, our, our hap, happenings dictate our happiness. But this is what God, Jesus is saying, is that this is not how you are to operate. This is not how we operate as people of God. The people of God are thoughts of something so deep within inside of us that regardless of the circumstance, we have this joy of the Lord. And Jesus is telling us that this joy is found in the most unlikely of places. And so we, Stop and think. He catches us off guard as he talks about the Beatitudes. The second thing we need to kind of lay as a foundation is that these statements actually show the potential of what can be ours. These statements show the potential of what is actually uh, can be ours. The Beatitude actually means supremely blessed. It, it, that's what it means. It means supremely blessed, supremely blessed, which indicates that knowing Jesus and following his words and his ways actually gives us access into his kingdom. Therefore, it opens us to li- us up to living this incredibly blessed and fulfilled life. Jesus didn't just die to save us from our sins, but he died to give us life. He died to give us hope. He died to give us a future, to give us a purpose, to, to help in your marriage and to stir up the gifts that he's designed within you, to give us joy beyond anything you could possibly know in this world. And so the foundation of what we're talking about, it moves us from this question of what does God require of me to what has God already provided for me? What He's already provided for me that I can then access and, and how do I then receive that as a follower of Jesus? 
See, the rest of the, the Sermon on the Mount, if you go to read those three chapters, it's all hinges and builds on this approach of understanding what God has done for us and what He's provided for us. And so we're going to jump in, and we're going to start at the very first one. found in Matthew 5, verses 3. And Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, blessed are the poor in spirit. What, what is this referring to? Well, there's two Greek words that you can use for poor. One is, I don't have enough. You know, I, I'm poor. I don't have enough. Where the other word for poor is actually, I don't have anything at all. It's actually, I'm destitute. I'm, I'm actually, I, I have nothing to offer. And this is the definition, or this is the word that is being used in this context, is blessed are those who are destitute. Blessed are those who have nothing. It could actually read, blessed is the person who, who realizes they are completely destitute, utterly helpless, the one who realizes their absolute need for God. This is how that scripture could read. In fact, different translations, like the New Living Translation says, God blesses those who are poor who realize their need for Him. God's Word translation says, Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. Like We're, we're spiritually helpless, we're destitute. The New Common Version says, Those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy. <laughs> those who know they have great spiritual needs, those are the ones who are happy. And, and I think there's a real reason why God, or Jesus says this one first, is that the, in order to get the rest of them, you have to understand this, that we understand that... If we, that the whole, everything is built on this idea that without God we have nothing at all. And what a, what a countercultural message that he's giving to, to people in that community. And, 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 and even for us, we live in an affluent world and an affluent community. How is this even possible? See, many in Canada, even in our own backyard, in our own community, we, we don't recognize how poor we actually are. We don't actually res, rec, we don't recognize the destituteness, if that's even a word, of our situation. We don't recognize the neediness of our situation. I've, I've realized that when you have a lot and you have more than you really need, it's hard to recognize where you, need, where you, where you lack. It's hard to ex- recognize the areas you don't have. I mean, we are blessed. It, it, the truth is, many of us uh, have these options to achieve and to receive what we need. How do you know you're a blessed person? Is when, when you have options. When you have options to pursue further education, when you have options to, to, to secure a loan from the bank, when you have options to choose what kind of car you want to buy, when you have options to choose what kind of house you want to purchase and live in, when you, you know you're blessed when you have options of where I do I want to work. Options are, is, a, is a good indicator of how blessed we are. You see, our, our act, our, I came up with this thought, I was, I was like 90, sorry, not there yet, but 90% of the world or 99% of the world would trade places with you on your worst day. Like, think about that. On your worst day, what you think is like the worst day in the world and all the problems you carry, but 99% of the world would say, I'll take those. I'll take that problem to have your life. You know, we live, we're blessed. We don't realize how blessed we are, which, which kind of brings us to this foundational principle is that we will never depend on something we don't think we need. This is what Jesus is kind of laying this foundation. We'll never depend on something we don't think we need. You, you, don't, need save, you don't need a savior if you don't feel you need saving, right? You don't need a lifeguard if you feel you're drowning. You, you don't need a fire, a, a fireman to come in to save you if, you if there's no fire in your house. Like, 
Until we recognize that we actually need saving, is then we'll recognize we actually need a Savior. Poor in spirit says, I can't get this on my own. Well, what's this? It's the kingdom of heaven, this, this eternal life that Jesus was talking about. And if we're honest, many of us would believe, we, we kind of believe that we can. We, we, we believe that we can actually achieve this. We actually, whether we say that or not, we kind of live that way. Our actions sort of approve that, hey, we can kind of earn this on our own. We can kind of do the work. We can kind of figure this out on our own. And here's this thought I was thinking about this week, is that our affluence, our affluence actually negatively influences our recognition, of, our recognition of need. Like our affluence influences our recognition of need. Like we, ha- we have so much, right? And I'm not saying we need to sell everything and, and go like, and live, live, in poor pe- like live as poor people, but we have to recognize that our affluence has times to negatively influence our recognition of how much we need God. And we need Jesus in our life. You can say it this way, options quickly become obstacles from recognizing our deepest need. Options simply become obstacles from recognizing how deeply we need God. It's why many times you can visit, and many of you have been in these places where you go to the poorest of countries, or you you go to these villages where they have absolutely nothing but the joy of the Lord, and they are the happiest people you'll ever find. They're destitute, but full of joy. And sometimes the options that we have actually become obstacles for us recognizing our deepest need. Revelation, there is this, this passage in Revelation where John, one of the apostles, he's you know, exiled to the island of Patmos where he actually has this whole revelation of the end times. And in this one moment, he has where the first three chapters is actually the presence of God. Jesus himself is there speaking to the apostle John. And he's writing a letter to seven churches. And one of the letters he writes is to a church called Laish. And he says this, he says, I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And here's what he says. He says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. You live as if you have everything you need because of all you have done. But then he says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now I've got a weird prayer. As I was praying this week and even this morning, I've been, I've just been, I have this weird prayer. I have this weird prayer for us today. I have this weird prayer that God would reveal to us how wretched, poor, pitiful, and blind we are apart from Him. I have this prayer that I've been praying today is God, help me recognize my need for you. Because it's easy to live a life where I, I live every day like I don't need Him. Because of all the things and the wealth and the stuff that we have available to of the options. But Lord, help us to recognize our deep need for you. Recognize that we don't have anything except from him. And that everything we have is because of him. To get to that place where we can embrace the kingdom of heaven by fully recognizing first that we are poor in spirit. And so quickly, and, and, and as we go throughout this, and I know this is, feels heavy, please know that it's not... I'm not trying to be doomsday here, but I desperately want you to experience the joy and the purpose and the presence of God in your life, to fully embrace this blessed life that God offers, that Christ offers all of us, but it starts with this place of recognizing our deep need for Jesus. So what does God provide for us? These four things that God provides for us. One, without Jesus, listen, I pay for my own sin. Listen, this is sort of a recap of 
of, of our greater love series, of the Easter series, right? Like without Jesus, if, if it's all on me, if I have to do this all on my own, without Jesus, I'm now responsible to pay for my own sin. Romans 3.23 says, For this all sinned, for all of sin, and fall short of the glory of God. It goes on in 6.23 to say, For the wages of that sin now is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This is Again, this is a recap if you were with us last month. For the cost of sin is greater than I'm sorry. The cost of sin is greater than I'm sorry, my bad, I screwed up. I won't do that again. It's, it's greater than that. It demands a payment, and as the Scripture tells us, that payment is death. And it's what Jesus came into this world to pay for, to provide for you and I. And so because of Jesus now, because of what He's done, you and I have this free gift of salvation, of forgiveness, and eternal life in Christ, in Christ Jesus. This is what we have received. When we recognize that we are poor in spirit, we have now recipients of what Jesus has done. Many of us believe that hell is a place where God sends the people He doesn't like or the people He's mad at. But that's not the case at all. Hell is a place where people go to pay for their own sin. It's where people go who refuse to accept the payment that was offered through Christ and try to pay for their own sin on their own. Sin has to be paid for. Ephesians 2 says that for as, for as, for, uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. You were dead. And in which you used to live in the way, uh, when you followed the ways of this world. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our own flesh and following its evil desires and thoughts. Like the rest, by, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us. One of my favorite lines in Scripture. Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved. Listen, we occurred a debt that we could not be paid. And Jesus came into our life to pay the bill. And so when we fully realize God's great love for us, we will worship Him and, and love Him in a different way. And so being poor in spirit is recognizing that I don't have the ability to pay for my own sin. Second thing we get from God as we choose to lean into God is that without Jesus, I can only cope through my own pain. Without Jesus, I can only cope through my own pain. Was it, was it Popeye that says, I am who I am, that's all I am? Is it Popeye that said that? I am who I am, that's all I am. You know, and when we don't have Christ in our life, our pain becomes our identity and that's just who we are. We just, we just mope along as I am who I am. We, we just kind of trudge through life trying to put band-aids on the situation as best as we can. Nothing will ever change. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I've been through and nothing will ever be changed. I'm coping with my own pain. Even the prophet Jeremiah says, you know, they offer superficial treatments to people's natural wounds. But these, they give assurances of peace, but there is no peace. Listen, the world will try to offer us temporary solutions that provide peace and, and healing, but they're just like band-aids on a gouge or band-aids on a monster wound wound but because of jesus and this is the good news of christ that because of jesus we have the power to be healed and transformed christ in us has the power to heal us and transform us peter says he bore him on our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to our sins and live for righteousness by his wounds we have been healed for we were all like sheep going astray but now that we've turned to the shepherd the overseer of our souls. We have this one who oversees us and cares for us and nurtures us and transforms us and heals us. See, God didn't just come in to put a band-aid on our wounds. He came in to transform you, to heal you. 
Right? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'm so grateful that God loves me as I am. But he loves me too much to leave me the way I am. That he wants to transform me from the inside out. That he wants to restore me and heal me and make me new. Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Ultimately, he wants to produce in us the fruits of the Spirit of love and joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That these virtues and these fruits, these elements can be the overflow of our life. We don't have to just cope and mope, but we can live and express joy and hope and peace in our life because of what Christ has done for us. Thirdly, we can, without Jesus... I'm trying to create my own life. Without Jesus, I'm having to find or create my own life. It's, this is where, where God, I believe God sets inside of us a purpose. God sets inside every one of us a purpose or a destiny or, or, or something to live, but, he, but without a sense to find it in order to draw us towards Himself. I, I believe He deposits within us a, a purpose and He uses His presence and He uses His Word like a compass to help us discover it. To find it. It's like when you're out in the woods and, and you know where you need to go. And so you get out the compass to figure, okay, which way is that direction? And how do I walk that way? And where do I need to go? I believe the Spirit of God and the Word of God is like the compass to the purpose that God has deposited inside of each and every one of us. That we don't have to try to find it on our own. I love Jeremiah. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. We serve a God who, who knows the plans He has for you. He knows what He has deposited in you. He knows who He has created you to be. A plan is to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I'm just so grateful that we don't just have to live and mope and find our own way and find our own path and, and create our own life, but we, we serve a God who knows who He's created us to be. And if we serve after Him, we, we, we recognize who He's done. He will reveal that to us in our life. Like, you're not unplanned. You may be an accident, but you are not unplanned. God has deposited in you a purpose. He's just deposited into a plan. He's deposited into uh, uh, works that, that were, were way created long before, you were, long before you began. And honestly, that's what Grow Track for a lot of us is all about, is this idea of how do we uncover this plan for our life? How do we uncover who God has made us to be? How do we discover this and begin to live this out? And so because of Jesus, I have the ability to know who I am. I know who I am. But more than that, I know what my life is all about. See, because of Jesus, because of what He has done, I know that it's not just who I am, but what I'm called to do and what life is all about. In Acts 17, Paul is on a, one of his missionary journeys and he's finding himself in Athens. And in Athens, he, it's the, the preamble to this is he's kind of walking around and he sees all of these statues, all of these idols, all of these, these, uh, these images of, of gods of all around the place because these people of Athens were worshiping. They, there was no shortage, there was no shortage of religion in Athens. There was gods everywhere and there was this, even this one statue, as you notice, it was to the unknown god. In case we missed one, you know, in case we missed one, we're just going to pull this one, the unknown god. And here Paul finds himself in this place, in Athens, and he's speaking to the people of Athens. And he says, no one, uh, from, one man all, uh, from one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he's trying, to he's trying to let people know who God is. And he marked out their appointed times in history and their boundaries of their land. It's, it's amazing to know that God just didn't create you, but He created you for today. 
He created you for this time. He created you for this purpose. He created you for this season. He created you for 2022. He, he appointed your time in history, and he set the boundaries of your land. He knew where you were going to go. He knew you'd be finding yourself in Concordan, Ontario in 2022. There's no accident that you are here today. I believe that God has ordained you, and God has set your time in place. He, he made you, and he purposed you. And Paul is telling people, God, God did this so that you would seek him, and perhaps... Reach out to Him and find Him. Though He's not far from any one of us. And then He goes on to say, for it's in Him we live and move and have our being. Listen, we don't have to figure this out in ourselves. We don't have to find and create our own life. But because of Jesus, we, have, we, we know who we are. And we, He's the compass and now we can live and search out, search out the life that He designed for each and every one of us. And lastly, real quick, is that without Jesus, I'm living for the joys that fade away. See, without Jesus in my life, I'm living for joys that fade away. Jesus, later on, further on in his, his Sermon on the Mount, he talks about don't storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, uh, destroy or, or robbers break in and steal. But he's, he's storing tr- store up your treasures in heaven. He's, he's looking for joys that don't fade away. First Peter, he tells us, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, that in His great mercy He has given us new birth into this, this living hope. This living hope that doesn't fade through the resurrection of our Jesus Christ our Lord. It's into, his, into an inheritance that will never perish, will never spoil or fade. See, what Jesus knew and what He's trying to teach us and discover us today is that happiness is actually found once we are living for others. True happiness is not found in acquiring the next truck or the next boat or the next, the next property. True happiness isn't found in, in the stuff that we, we seek and pursue in this world. But true happiness is found in the impact we have on others. That is the joy that will never fade away. I mean, you can't bring your stuff with you to heaven, but you can bring the relationships you've formed. And you can bring the people that you've introduced Jesus with to you with to heaven. You can bring them to heaven. Jackie Robinson, a baseball player, many of you know, he said this quote, he says, a life is not as important except the impact it has on other lives. Life is not as important except in the impact it has on other lives. Listen, he intuitively knew that it wasn't just about succeeding in baseball. It wasn't becoming the first African American to play baseball. That was not his achievement. His achievement in life was the impact he had on others' lives. And I think for you and I, that's a great, great question to ask, is what impact are we having on other lives? What impact are we allowing to, 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 for the joy of Jesus or the person of Jesus to transform our life? So because of Jesus, we have the joy of a living life that glorifies God and impacts others. Because of His work on the cross. Because of what He has done. John 15. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourself to be my disciples and I've told you this that you may have joy that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete every one of us come, have to come to this place that without God without Jesus we actually have nothing blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who realize that without Jesus everything is on us everything's on my shoulders the life I live, the joy I pursue, the, the, the impact I have, it's all on me to make happen. But with Christ, everything we have, 
and everything that we gain is through Him. That He gives us a joy that far exceeds the temporal and goes into everlasting. And so what's the biblical principle for today? What's this thought that we need to go home with and recognize? What's this, that what's it bring to today? What's this first beatitude bring us to? It brings us to the simple awareness or the simple prayer. It says, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me recognize I need you. Because if I'm apart from you, I can do nothing. But maybe you're here for the first time and you've never made that prayer. Maybe you've never come to that realization that, Jesus, I need you. Maybe there's a moment right now where you're realizing how much you need Jesus. You know, it's it's easy to reach out to him. The Bible says if we just confess that he is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. There is just this recognition of saying, I need you. I recognize who you are and I need you in in my life. And you can simply just utter that word, Jesus, I need you. And the Bible tells us that he will come into your life and you'll be forgiven of your sins and you'll have this new hope in Christ. And that will be just the beginning of the journey with Jesus. There's so much that you can learn and explore and expand in your knowledge of Christ. But it first starts with this recognition of need. But maybe you're here and maybe you're like myself as I was going through it this week and I'm realizing, Jesus, do I need you? Like, I know, I, I know the words, I know I'm supposed to say that. But do I live my life like I need you? Do I start my day like I need you? Am I living poor in spirit? Recognize that without you, I'm destitute. I'm lost. I have nothing. I'm not just coming up short. I have nothing. So God, help me recognize my need for you today. Maybe that's your prayer as we close. It's to get this awareness of saying, God, I need you. Help me, teach me, train me, show me again today, afresh and anew, how much I need you. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. The band's going to lead us in a song. It's a simple prayer, a song that many of us know is, Lord, I need you. My prayer is that we'll just turn this song into our closing prayer, our closing benediction. Recognizing our deep need for Jesus, and whether it's for the first time or another time, that we would come to this realization how much I need, Lord. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and it speaks to us. Father, thank you that you came into this world to, to show us a way, a better way that we can live that we can move, that we can breathe, that we can interact with one another, not in a way that is self-serving or even focused in the immediate, but God, in a way that has an eternal perspective. And so, Lord, as we start this conversation today, as we open up your word and allow your teaching to speak to our heart, God, I pray you bring us to this awareness, this deep, personal awareness of our need for you, that apart from you, we can't do nothing. This is our prayer, we pray. Precious name.